We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You are listening to Rams Talk Radio, proud partner with the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, Tommy Avance. We're here to recover from the Los Angeles Rams 30-29 loss, last second loss up in Seattle tonight. The Rams dropped to 3-2. Seattle now moves to 4-1. And they're just a half game now behind the 49ers. Well, I think they're half games. They're 3-0. They've had their bye, right, Tommy? They've had their bye. Yeah, so, they, play so, mon- they play Monday night. All right, yeah, so, so, so by the numbers, three games over, they're tied. But loss for the Seahawks, 
in, the, in there, four and one overall. All of a sudden, the Rams are in third place in the division. Tommy, how you doing, man? How you feel about all this? Uh, I'm all right, man. It was a hard pill to swallow. I'm not gonna, you know, blame it on Greg. He's the best kicker in the NFL for a reason, um, and rightfully so. Uh, when it left his foot and I saw it hit the air, I knew he was going to miss barely, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to blame the loss on him. It's just, it was a close divisional game. And I mean, we did our best, man. I mean, there's, there's a lot of holes, obviously, on our team, you know, that everyone was worried about, you know, from last year. And it's not just the players. It's the the fact that, you know, last year our offense was figured out by Fangio and uh, Matt Patricia and passed on through, you know, the Eagles and into the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And we had to come up with a whole new playbook this year or we weren't going to be competitive, obviously. Um, so... The fact that we didn't play preseason and we have a new playbook, we got to a rough start. But let's be honest, after five games and all the mistakes that the Rams have made to date this season, we're three and two. All right, that's nothing to be upset about. It's a very competitive record and it's a long season. I'm not happy about the outcome tonight, but it is what it is, man. It was a tough night. I mean, overall, there were, especially that first half, the first half, it was like they were sleepwalking for much of that half. And I even wrote that on, on Twitter tonight. I, I was a manning the Twitter station that, uh, you know, they looked like they were beat already for a good chunk of that first half. And then they got that touchdown late and they seemed to wake up after that play, after that game. Jeez, after that play, <laughs> I had it right the first time. So I just look at it and I think, 3-29, coming back from a 55-40, really embarrassing loss on Sunday night. Just four days later, they could have won this game. They probably should have won this game. I think overall they're going to be fine. I think they should they're going to be fine. If, you, if there were worries about this team right now, people should have them put to rest. If anything, be worried about the fact the rest of the division is good in terms of the 49ers and the Seahawks. This team could be just as good as they were last year and wind up missing the playoffs because they're just in a tough division. I don't think there's any question at this point that the NFC West is the best division in the NFL. Am I wrong? No, they're as competitive as it gets. And, you know, being week five, anything can happen. I mean, over the last four years, the 49ers have been the most, other than the Chargers, the most injury-prone football team in the NFL. And we're starting to see some of their players fall off already, like we normally do. So let's not panic yet. Let's let nature take its course, as it has in recent you know, history, and go from there. And just try to keep our team as healthy as possible and moving in the right direction. That's all you can really do. But, you know, I think fans, you know, in the short term have gotten spoiled. You know, at this time last year, we were 5-0. and um, and we're three and two, and people are freaking out because three and two freaks people out when they're used to being five and zero. Oh. Um, there's a lot of new fans out there. There's a lot of fans on Twitter that don't understand the game holistically, and I encourage 
all of them and all of the listeners to do your homework, not just on understanding the game inside and out on all three phases of the game, but salary cap, all that stuff. Educate yourself so we can have educated conversations on social media and not argue with each other so much. It's important to understand the game holistically so you can keep yourself even keeled when situations happen like this. I mean, we lost by one point to a division rival on the road. Like, that's nothing to be upset about in reality, right? And I mean, on the pregame last night, I predicted that the Rams were going to lose this game. And I think you and I both entering this season had this as a loss. We thought yeah, it's always it's always a coin it's always a coin toss when you go up into that environment against Russell Wilson and that noisy crowd, and he just has the ability to just play like we all did when we were in the street, man, and on the asphalt. He just he makes stuff happen. He gets the ball out right when Aaron Donald's swinging for him and gets it to some random tight end that you've never heard of. I mean. It's it happens every year, right? We should be used to every it every year, every year. And you know he's he is only seven and eight against the Rams, by the way. So the Rams yeah. overall have played him very well. They played him well at times today too. But he's still one. Uh, he is still one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. I know that there are some people who kind of discount him now. That's ridiculous. Just, that is ridiculous. I saw a couple people in their top there you know, during that whole fad. Was that that whole fad about the trending quarterback list this summer? All that meme that's going around about you know average, above average, elite, and anybody who had Russell Wilson outside the top five to me is ridiculous. He just they're not really watching the game. They are just somebody who's kind of going along the way that hey they ran the ball a lot last year. He's no listen. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Period. Hands down. Yeah. And I, as much as I hate to say that, as much as I loathe the Seahawks personally, you got to give props for that. That touchdown to lock it back of the end zone, man. Come on. I mean, that's, that was pure Russell Wilson and Lockett getting there to have a shot catching that ball. That was good coverage from Weddle. Dude, Eric Weddle was on him like stink mm-hmm. on, you know what I mean. He, he was all over. <laughs> the, you couldn't have played that any better, my friend. Right? But that's he did just. His job. That's just people making plays. You know, we can go back to last week's game and go, the Rams just didn't make plays. They missed a lot of tackles. They weren't in coverage. They didn't make adjustments. They beat themselves. In this game, you know what? You can actually say the Seahawks beat them. You can say that. It was was a dogfight, and they won by one point. Man, this is nothing to be ashamed of. It's just not. It's not, especially when you have lesser talent, and new playbooks and and coaches trying different things on the fly. This is and, and not playing preseason. This is what's going to happen, man. Now, if we're in week twelve having this conversation, okay, now we got a problem. But it's week five. Calm down. You know we're three and two. There's nothing really to be concerned about to me about this team. I think some of the gaps are going to fix. I thought the offensive line struggling early did finally get it together. They play a lot better in the second half. I think we're starting to see them get you know get a little bit going here, have us have a better game. It's just going to take time. If anything, that Tampa Bay game is going to wind up helping them long-term getting it together. I think they need to lose Absolutely. that game. Absolutely. I mean, people forget last year. We went into the season last year saying Wade Phillips – saying my pass rushers are Samson Ibukam and Matt Longacre. 
that's what we went into the season with. And we made it to the Super Bowl. You know why? Because we got into the season and realized that wasn't a good plan, and we traded for Dante Fowler Jr., okay? We needed a little bit more talent, right? So now we're sitting here in week five, right, heading towards the trade deadline, and we have some interior offensive linemen that are a little suspect, right? We have, you know, so we can do a lot of things from now until the trade deadline if we need to. If we need to, it can be done, right? There's no need to panic. We're not in that point of the season yet to where we need to panic. I mean, it can be done. I don't think they want to. If you look at the cap for next year, I mean, Tershow Times had a look at the cap for next year earlier this week, and it's actually pretty unnerving if you're a Rams fan because the mm-hmm. Rams have to draft well at this point. They're, they're going to be top-heavy, but their nucleus is going to be top-heavy. So they have to develop. They have to draft well. They don't have a whole lot of room to make trades, but if you want to make that run this year, you can take a shot. It'll be difficult to move money around, but there is a little bit of wiggle room. You can if you move money, yeah, right? If you move money. It's if hard because you, you, you get dead cap space too. I bet you can honestly, move money by moving a player who's making a lot of money, like Brandon Cooks. Okay. Oh, you're going back to Brandon. <laughs> I'm just saying, as a GM, listen, one man's trash is another man's treasure. There's a reason oh, why he's boy. been traded multiple times. Listen, at the end of the day, we all have to understand how the salary cap works, and you can only have, and that's why I put that tweet out yesterday, at the end of the season, we got to pay Cooper Cup. No NFL team in NFL history has paid three wide receivers, and I am not willing to get rid of Robert Woods because I think Robert Woods is a much better player than Brandon Cooks. Okay? Brandon Cooks is a one-trick pony. I'm not, I've never been impressed with him overall. It's a well-rounded game. Okay? I was perfectly okay with going into the season last year as Josh Reynolds replacing Sammy Watkins because of cap issues. You need to make sure that on an annual basis you have less than seven players on your roster that make top money at their positions or you will never be able to stay under the salary cap. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. Okay. So right now we have how many? Who do we got? We got Goff. We got Gurley. We got Aaron Donald. We got Brandon Cooks. That's four. Who else? Keep it going. Who else has a long term deal right now on this team? That's big money. Is that it? All right. Well, Aaron Donald. You have well Habenstein, but you're yeah. That's no not one's really going to want him right now. Four thirty two. But look, you're talking about Cooks. Cooks doesn't really have an out until after twenty twenty. That's no, when no, no, dead, no. That's when his dead cap goes is, down. Yeah, I'm just saying that you can only carry five to seven players on an annual basis that make any real money. The rest of them are making the rest, right? That's how, that's how it's always kind of worked. So you have to pick and choose your battles. You need to re-sign guys like Cooper cup and Josh Johnson. You're not going to let them go for three, three wide receivers. I'm sorry. Cooper cup, you know, John Johnson's coming up, like you mentioned. And, a certain somebody, we can do a Dexter Fowler. You got to think about him as well. Uh, let him go. I mean, but he's probably your best outside pass rusher right now. No, he is, but he's not going to be mean, worth what they're going to pay him. 
Well, then the market says that. But Pick, listen, that's that's true. <laughs> that that's conversation. Say, that, yeah, let's not let's not go down that route. Well, that's why we'll have plenty of time to go down that route. We'll have plenty <laughs> of time. But let's go. Let's bring it back to this game. Before we get back to this game, we do want to say, hey, this episode is sponsored by John Hawk. Sorry, jeez, Jim Hawk. What am I? I am up. A 30-29 loss. I'm hyped up over this game, and I can't even say people's names right. Jim, I apologize. Jim Hawk wrote the book, Hollywood's Team, Great Glenn, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Also, if you enjoy our shows, go over to Apple Music, please, and leave a review, okay? And by the way, if you happen to leave a review, if there's, if there's some kind of issue, please do us a favor and actually explain it. We was some kind of, some, hey, Tommy, some weirdo just kind of posted uh, a review, and all he said was he said something about one of the show's background music, and that was his only comment. He said it was a, that song was annoying, and leaves a middling review. It's like, come on, guys, listen, that's not really helpful. You're just being a jerk. I mean, if you want to leave a review, seriously, please, you know, if you like what I, I you don't do, like your background music. Seriously, <laughs> you're complaining about the background music to one of our shows. Okay, well. You just dissed our entire network over a background music for one show? Here's the thing about our network, because we have diversity, you can listen to several different shows on our network. So that thing, it's one of our positives is that we have diversity. So, hey, if you really, really, really want to leave us some feedback that we'll, we'll take seriously and carry with us and try and improve on and talk about, send us an email at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. If you just like what we do in general and you want to help us out, that review on Apple Music really, really does help us out. Okay? Or if you really, really think we suck and no feedback is going to help that, then I understand leaving a lower star, but seriously, that kind of feedback is just stupid. Okay? It just is. We are, though, and we have some feedback to read on Sunday night. We'll do it on Sunday night. We are still doing the jersey. We, we upped the ante here. So once 205 star reviews, we will go ahead and reward one of our reviewers with a personalized Rams jersey. You pick the, the is it a replica throwback? Is it, is it current? Whatever you want there. Put your name on it. Put whatever number. If you want to cuss somebody out with it, fine. I don't care. Hey, we'll pay for it. Okay? So... How you do it, you head over to Apple Music, you leave a review, you take a screenshot, you email that screenshot to us over at ramstop1945gmail.com, bam, there you go, you're entered, and we will eventually, hopefully before the millennium, come up with a winner. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm joking, but the, I had to up the ante to get folks going, and we did get a couple reviews, so thanks a lot, guys. Okay, back to the game, back to the game. The stats here. I'm. I, it's just like how close this game was. Okay, the Rams twenty-four first downs, Seahawks twenty-five first downs. Third down efficiency for the Rams. This is something they got to fix. Three for eleven, Seahawks three for ten. Oh, both of them are garbage. Yeah. Okay. Total yards. I, I'm excited about this part. Total yards. Rams four hundred seventy-seven. Back to the old days. There, they had a nice night offensively. A little shaky early, but. There you go. Seahawks, though, 429 yards. The Rams averaged 7.1 yards per play. Seahawks, 6.4. This is what hurt the Rams, guys. 167 yards rushing allowed. 43 rushes. Basically, Seattle controls the game. Rams do rush 18 times, 82 yards, 4.6 a carry. So, 
That, that so comes- basically, they should have ran the ball more. It's obvious. They should have, but they did enough to at least keep the Seattle defense honest. Like the last game with Tampa Bay, you know, you and I were both ticked about that. They, but they did enough to keep the Seattle defense honest, and, and it worked. But here's the main problem: you can look at right here. Seattle, they played Seattle's game. Seattle, thirty-five minutes of possession. The Rams, twenty-four forty-two. I don't know what to tell you about it. It was, it was not a. There weren't a whole lot of mistakes. Six penalties for 45 yards. That could be a lot worse. Seahawks, five penalties for 45 yards. Overall, the only real issue there is the way the Seahawks manage the football. They just control for 35 minutes. By the way, the Rams allowed no sacks in this game. Goff did face pressure. They did get to him, but no sacks. So there is significant improvement. Yes, significant improvement there. Looking at the players themselves... Jared Goff, look at this here, and it just, of course, for whatever reason, NFL.com does not like us when we're on the show. It's, it, it continually just gives me a middle finger. I'm serious. It happens with Mike all the time. All the time. So let's roll down here to see if I can find the player stats. Box score. We know that Jared Goff was really criticized last time out. Tonight, 29-49. 395 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The interception is, was not his fault. Was not his fault. Um, Russell Wilson, 17 23, 268 yards, four touchdowns, takes one sack. Todd Gurley, 15 carries, 51 yards, two touchdowns, and a fumble loss. That fumble, come, come to find out, is pretty critical. Brandon Coast, one carry, 27 yards. Chris Carson, 27 carries for 118 yards, average of 4.4 per carry. Uh, Here is the big one, and I've been waiting for this, and I've been kind of predicting this. Receiving Gerald Everett. Leads the Rams with 136 yards tonight. Seven catches, 136 yards. Been waiting for this man. Been waiting for this. Cooper Cup, nine catches, 117 yards, touchdown. He was targeted 17 times, though, so it kind of tells me that Jared leaned on him a little bit too much. Robert Woods, five catches, 48 yards. Tyler Higby, three for 47. So the tight ends, and I get 10 catches for 183 yards overall. Brandon Cooks. One catch for 29 yards, targeted three times. That 129 yard was a big one. It's also when he got hurt. Josh Reynolds won. That's for a lot of money. That's a lot of money right there. Well, the same. But listen, we can no, go but. back to that. You, we can go back to that somewhere. Time <laughs> um, for I'm the for the Seahawks. Will Disley four catches, 81 yards. Tyler Lockett five catches, 51 yards, including that touchdown pass. DK Metcalf two for 44 touchdown. Rashad Penny, 231. Jaron Brown, 236. Fumble loss. Uh, the big one here, Greg Zerline, 3 of 4 for field goals. The one being that he misses, the one that ends up, you know, going wide. JoJo Natson, uh, two returns for 16 yards. A little bit weird there at the end, doing the whole inside the five yard line, taking the kick. That was dangerous. Johnny Hecker, doing what Johnny Hecker does, averages 51 yards for a punt. Uh, defensively, Eric Weddle was seven tackles, four solo, three assists. Corey Littleton, three solo, four assists, seven tackles. But Troy Reader, Troy Reader, 13 tackles, eight solo, and five assists. That surprised me a little bit. For the Seahawks, KJ Wright, seven solo tackles, three assists, 10 tackles total. So there you go. Overall, both teams made some mistakes. Both teams were 
there, it was a dogfight. It was a good football game. I don't have a whole lot of complaints. I think the Rams will be fine. I think that they, they'll they'll split the season series with the Seahawks. So they probably will split with, with the 49ers too, quite frankly. But overall, you know, a good game. I can't complain. I can't. You can go back to Tampa Bay. And we can we can whine and complain all night long. Overall, it was a well played game. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson, one of the best in the league. Combine that with the solid running game in Seattle. Just they play Seattle game tonight. That's all. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I just saw the schedule pop up um, on the TV. We can go seven and two. What do you mean? The next four games, I'm not afraid of those teams. Well, next four game, but never see here. Uh, four games on the line here. On deck is at home against the 49ers. All right. Yep. At Atlanta. That that yep. you can't sleep by Atlanta. That I'm not sleeping. Them. I'm not saying they're not good. I think we can beat them. Can yeah. In London against Cincinnati. That's a W. <laughs> that's a W. That's a W. I mean, that's one. Okay. Yeah. At Pittsburgh, which I'm still hoping you'll make happen. I'm not giving up hope just yet. I ain't scared okay. of them either. <laughs> All right. So then the Bears come in. The, I'm the scared new- of Mason Rudolph. So if we win those four games, we're seven and two, right? I mean, there's still a lot of talent in Pittsburgh, though, man. Come on. No, no, no. I agree. But come on. Mason Rudolph, dude. Come on. Dude. I'm not scared of that quarterback. So. But, the, you know, November 17th is Chicago. That's the one that will kind of, you know, raise your eyebrow a little bit. Baltimore. Yeah, and 25th. if we lose that one, we're 7-3, and three, right? So, remember that. Yeah, well, it's Chicago to me, they don't, they don't even have a quarterback right now as far as I'm concerned. So, no. If we'll we see. lose to them without a quarterback, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so We did last year, though. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky sucks, dude. Uh, I mean, they, they figured out that. brutal. It is. It is. But you know and everyone what? and everyone was like, "Oh, Vic Fangio's not there." Yeah, well, Chuck Pagano is, bro. So, calm down. He's a good coach. True, he's a very good coach. But that offense, to me, it's not the we, same. It won't. The game won't be the same. It's going to be in in no. LA. It's not going to be freaking freezing in Chicago with rain and wind. It's not going to be that kind of game. Nope. There's there's nothing in terms of weather the rest of the season except for maybe Pittsburgh. No, we don't have weather in LA. It's always like you know, seventy yeah. to ninety-four. It's it's always warm. I mean, so there's no real concern to me. It's just it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will be, and it's November. It's not like it's going to be December out there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, weather should not be an issue for the Rams the rest of the year. So overall, players of the game for you, who were they? Oh my goodness, man. To be honest, <laughs> the player of the game was Todd Gurley. He only got 15 touches, but when he touched the ball, man, did he look like Todd Gurley. And I just wish he would have got at least 10 more. I can go with that. I can go with that. He was a weapon out of the backfield. He was, especially when that team was really fighting, you know, they were looking kind of dead. He was the one kind of lifting them up, you know. Yep, so, and I was very proud of him for that because he's had a really piss-poor attitude lately, and I've been disappointed in him. So I was proud to see him, you know, pump his chest out and remember who he is and just remember that life is good, you're young, you got a lot of money, 
life is good, my friend. Just have some fun and get out there and kick some butt. You know, relax. And you know what? Just because I want to pat myself on the back, I'm going Gerald Everett. I've been talking about him for about a year now, just believing he's going to come and eventually emerge and start becoming that playmaker. And we're starting to see that now. And if the Rams can really get those tight ends into the game more and more, no one's going to stop that offense. If they just have mediocre blocking the rest of the year, if those tight ends are weapons, then there's no, no one's going to stop them. Not even Chicago. Okay. Now come down to defense, pick your poison. You have, you, you have, one of the deepest receiving cores in the league. You add in two tight ends who are now catching the football. You have the be- one of the best running backs in the league. You're deep at running back. Just get some blocking. And this is why I'm not worried about the rest of the year because we're seeing things happen with this offense that I've been wanting to happen for a long time. One of, as much as I think Sean McVay is a brilliant dude, the one thing that has frustrated me a little bit is the lack of development in tight ends because that's what he was doing in Washington. He was developing great tight end play. He comes over here, and tight ends are stagnant for two years, and you're wondering what's going on. And now you're finally seeing these guys develop and become the playmakers you thought they always would be. And I'm telling you, and I've been saying it. I know you've heard me say it. Gerald Everett has the potential to be a top one, top two, top three tight end in the NFL. And I believe that for a long time. If he was on a team that, that featured the tight end, he would be all over ESPN, dude. I mean, he would. He's that good. He's a freakish athlete, and all you really need to do at some point was develop the rest of the skills around him, and that's what's happening now. If I'm telling you, if they can get these tight ends actually more and more involved every time out, Seattle couldn't stop him tonight. Seattle couldn't stop him. No, oh, stopped the Rams. The Rams stopped the Rams at the end with a missed field goal. Our they couldn't stop him. Wide receiver, our fourth wide receiver, Josh Reynolds, could be a number two wide receiver on at least ten teams in the NFL. Okay? That's how deep our wide receiver core is. And and Jared Goff needs to remember that number 83 plays on his team because once again he was running right open tonight, and when they threw him the ball, he got it. But, dude, number 83, Jared Goff, please wake up up dude wake up the guy is stellar and he's open a lot open gotta, your damn eyes we gotta up. get you in a debate we gotta get you in a debate with you know <laughs> we gotta get you in debate with him man with steve ribeiro steve ribeiro just has lots of love and passion for good old number 83 all right so as a special entrance onto our show tonight, we also want to bring in Mark Lahan. Let's see if we can get him in here to cause hate and discontent throughout the world. He's just he was just having a little bit of fun with some some 49er fans, and we want to get his take tonight as well. So one second here as we make this magic happen. You can hear me dialing out here. He was trying to call me right now, but I had to click on him because obviously we're on the air. One of our rare call him kind of a weird post-game show it says and it, it says his phone number is invalid hold on i'm gonna try it again this is that's be totally because he lives in tucson yeah, i'm sure it's operator error i.e me no it is because you press one twice knucklehead i can see it yeah i i, I told you it's operator error come on i, I took ownership <laughs> relax relax <laughs> i see it on the screen you went add one 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 
instead of calling. And you know what's weird, too, is apparently a couple of my students are now listening to our show. Oh, right on. They told me, they were asking me, which they were asking me if I'm doing the post game tonight. I'm like, yeah, like, we'll listen. And I'm like, really? And like, yeah, we listened to last night's show. I'm like, what? <laughs> since, since when? So apparently a couple of my students listen to the show now. And they're, and they're Browns and Steelers fans, so who knows? Is Mark, not the one wearing the Rams jersey? <laughs> oh, no. That young lady was not enthused. Okay. Let's see. Mark, you here, man? Isn't it past your bedtime? It is. It's, <laughs> it is time for me to go to bed here in a few, but... We we saw you wanted to join the show tonight, and we're having a little, we're actually having a little bit of fun considering it was a thirty twenty nine loss and all. Yeah, I've been having fun. Uh, it's kind of hilarious that you know after we took the loss to the Seahawks, I have Niners fans on my timeline on Twitter. Oh God, here we and, go! And this is what you wanted to call on the show for us. Tell us about the Four Niners fans giving you a hard time. That's that's seven oh, days a no, week, twenty four hours, of, you know, twenty four hours a day, three sixty five. Man, come on! I just wanted to make sure you guys are all right. I'm no, good now. I we're good down. to go. We I'm are good, good to go. Oh, we're good. We actually joined the show on time. We you needed to take a breather for a minute before you got on, you little turd. Yeah, no, I needed to get a little Sims action in for about an hour. Well, let's not. Hey, let's. This is a. This is not a rated R podcast, good sir. Hey, he just said he was playing the Sims. What are you talking yeah, about? You know, we, yeah, Listen, we all know. We all know about your last episode. We all know about your last episode. Why do you Let's always got to go there, Derek? We were. I'm not the one who goes there. You had to make right. it rated R. Okay, no, 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 no. Don't try that. You guys are all playing innocent. Okay, <laughs> folks. While these guys are laughing, giving me, giving me Captain Purity here a hard time, let's go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsor. Check out the promo code and everything goes with it with my bookie. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Also, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor for real, Jim Hawk. He wrote this great book, Hollywood Scene, Great Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Chris Lee's Hurst, Tom Frears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Team. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can find the book also at various other booksellers on the internet. Sooner or later, I'll convince Tommy to actually read this book. Tommy's not a book guy, but I promise you, I'm going to give my best game and read it. Folks, you should too, okay? It is an outstanding book about Rams history. You know I'm a big nerd about it. It helps a great cause at their homeboy industries. Give it a, give it a look. It is Hollywood's Teen, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Okay, Mark, I, I'm wondering if I'm going to regret this, but what were your thoughts on the game? I thought that after the first half, well, actually, you know what? With, what, about five minutes into the first half, 
you know, we looked terrible. Um, we couldn't get anything going. We got some give me's from the Seahawks. They gave up the ball. We got into, you know, field goal range. We didn't capitalize in the red zone. We fumbled. But it seemed towards the end of the first half that McVay figured something out. He, he found a soft spot in the Seahawks defense, and he exploited it. I was kind of worried to begin with in the first half that we – figured it out a little too fast enough for the Seahawks to make some, sex, some halftime adjustments. They didn't. We kept pounding the ball on them. We were finding the soft spots in their, their defense with the pass. Doff looked great in the second half. And, I mean, we just, we just had some bad calls go against us. I mean, the Seahawks got bailed out at the end of the day. That Clay Matthews pass, roughing the passer was terrible. That's one of the worst calls I've ever seen in a Rams game. And you know why they called it? Because uh, it was Clay Matthews. Yeah, was, exactly, yeah. Tommy. It was Clay Matthews. It was just, a knee-jerk reaction. They didn't see the play. They just saw that Clay put a good hit on Wilson, and they threw the flag. And guess what? We're out of challenges by then. We're, we're, is that a challengeable play, no, by the way? it's not. You can't challenge that. It's, it's not. not, but, man, if they're going to do pass interference, you might as well put rough in the passer in there, too. The, and exactly. that's the Pandora's box they open with that. I'm best next, man. Soon we're going to have every penalty up for review at some point here soon. That's what's going to happen. That's that's the Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah, so you're going to have the ability to Everybody could complain maybe. about that it prolongs the game. You and should, hey, to be I honest with you guys, right. we get I just want every, the call right. every, listen, every NFL team gets two challenges a game, right? You should be able to use those challenges on any penalty, in my opinion. Just two. You get two, and if you get one right, you get the second one. So you end up with three total, right, if you get at least one of them right. So I think you should be able to challenge any one of those plays, as long as it's you're using one of your challenges. They shouldn't be limited to a type of play. Well, they need to do something. I with agree, one hundred percent. They need to do something with it. To me, roughing the roughing the passer is the one of the most obvious ones that should get reviewed enough because that one is wrong a good what quarter of the time. It, maybe half the time. Maybe that half. hit on Goff from. Jadavion Clowney was more of a rough in the passer than Clay Matthews, by far. Yep. But that that yeah. should have been called. If they called the Clay Matthews one, they should have called the one on Goff. The only thing that they can argue with that, though, was the fact that the ball was gone. And he they could argue he could have pulled up. I don't believe that. He was going in full bore. But if they want to argue something... I mean, if I were the Rams, in I'd real time, like, can you really argue that? Uh, I don't that's a know. Judgment Mark. call at that point, know. right? I mean, I do think it's a judgment call. I mean, I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just saying if there's an argument to be made, that's what it is. The only way you can pull up visually to be able to try to prevent the ref from pulling that yellow flag out of his pocket is to put your hands back, right? So, a lot of guys get called roughing the passer, including Clay because he followed through with the push after the ball was gone. That's why they threw it. Now, was it rough in the passing? No, not really. But if he, would have, if he wouldn't have pushed him, they wouldn't have called it. If he would have fell into him and they called it, that would have been egregious. But, Tommy, would you and I have put that shoulder into him too? 
Absolutely. Shoulder, right? yeah. Absolutely. But when you get into the NFL the way it is in 2019, you need to learn to adapt. And when you're rushing the passer and the ball flies out, if you immediately pull your shoulders back with your arms and your hands like, hey, I'm, and you fall into him, at least you made that conscious effort to not to not put that extra push into him physically to, to chuck him onto the ground. Your body gets thrown into him with your momentum that's already carrying you in that direction. So that's the only way you can really visually avoid it, period. There's no other way possible because you're already – your trajectory of your body weight is already going in that direction because you were running that way in the first place, dude. Yeah, your momentum's carrying you. And, I mean, hindsight exactly. is twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We could sit here and argue it all day. The call, the call, it, it, it got made. It, it was made, and yeah, we had it was a chance a bad at call, the end. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean it was a bad call because we're Ram fans. If it was a, against another team, I would, and I was watching it on TV as a, you know, a neutral party. I still would have said the same thing. You know, I'm always fair with my analysis. I'm never a fanboy. Never. It's just not how I'm wired. You know, there's um, getting away from the game here a little bit, and I'm sure folks who have been listening to Rams Talk Radio doing the post game for a long time, we've usually stuck to football. It's almost always been the case. Tonight's been a lot more loosey goosey. Heck, I'm making phone calls in the middle of the podcast. It's a live podcast, and we're doing that. I'm not editing this baby out or anything. You guys are getting the total raw thing. And that means if Tommy wants to cuss at me, he can. I can't really do much about it except for go, you know, you're a jerk. But. <laughs> I mean, the thing is this: um, the three the three guys on this show, either in the past or recently, have all dealt with personal things, and the sport of football means a lot to us in so many different ways. And Tommy, you said something really, just really kind of made my mind bend a little bit before we actually went on the air. And would you be kind enough to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I'll elaborate. Um, I have no problem talking about it. It does help me when I do talk about it. But for the last three years, my relationship with the Rams, I've had a 35-year relationship since I was six years old with this team as a fan. And for most of those 35 years, the way I react to the way the team plays, to the to when the season starts, to everything about the NFL and the and the Rams, whether they were in Los Angeles or St. Louis, made me feel like a better person every single day I woke up. They gave me everything I needed when life isn't going your way. They made it feel better. Win, lose, or draw, two and fourteen or fourteen and two. It made me smile. Okay. And six weeks before um, the Rams moved back to Los Angeles, well, I mean, they are announced, but six weeks before the actual first real regular season game, my daughter um, passed away at birth. And it changed me forever in a lot of ways. Um, It made everything that normally made me happy in life not matter as much. So uh, I've been going to the games um, since the Rams moved back to L.A. I'm a season ticket holder, and I love it. And the best part about it is all of you. Because before the Rams moved back to L.A., 
growing up in Los Angeles my whole life, this is a bandwagon city. There's not a lot of Ram fans here. There just never were the blackout rule. Everything else ruined it. So I was always solo watching the games as a fan. I never had another Rams fan growing up to be able to high-five or talk like we are right now. Um, so all of you guys make my life better every single day by being able to share this special experience with you all. But losing my daughter made me not care as much whether we win, lose, or draw. I remember being at the playoff game against Atlanta in 2017 when we lost at home, and I was walking out of the Coliseum, and everybody was crying and so upset and throwing stuff and fighting. It was it was really hard to watch. But as I walked out of that stadium, I was a different person. I, I had my head held very high, and I just felt like, I don't know, I, I became this, I don't know, glass half full type person where wins or losses didn't emotionally affect me as much as they did previously to the to the loss that I had of my daughter and the good bad or indifferent I feel free you know and tonight for the first time in 3 years I had a couple of drinks before the game and during the game and I got a nice little buzz and I woke up and I felt like myself again. And I was yelling at the TV. And I was running around the living room. I was holding my 11-month-old son in my hand, screaming at the television. And he was yelling and I, and just so happy. And and I was emotionally invested again in the game. And it was just special. And tonight was the first night in three years that I felt myself again. And it upset me that we lost i was angry and disappointed and when he missed the field goal i just put my head on the couch and it hurt but for the first time in three years i felt like a human being again i felt normal again i felt like it mattered again and now it was special for me mark you um a lot of people know your story you have a son with uh diabetes and um it's brought some really neat experiences, though, with players and and other Rams fans and so on and so forth. And what makes being a Rams fan so special to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Anthony was was diagnosed in March of 2018. Um, I remember it like it was just yesterday. It was actually right before the Rams signed the Dominican Sioux. And I remember the week leading up to his diagnosis, that's all I could think about was, are we going to sign the Dominican Sioux? Are we going to get this guy? I mean, it was, you know, at work, I couldn't concentrate. I was looking constantly, refreshing my timeline on Twitter, like, did we sign him? Did we sign him? And on a Saturday, on March 23rd, I went to work thinking about, you know, that same thing. And before I got to work, me and my wife had had a conversation. Anthony had been having these, it was, you know, he was wet in the bed. And it was kind of just um, not something that he used to do. And so I had been Googling 
symptoms and everything. I'm just like, is this just a phase? Me and my wife are kind of like, this is just a phase. Kids go through this. And I remember I looked up some stuff about diabetes that said that, you know, that was one of the symptoms of it. So I told my wife, how about we just take them in, we do our due diligence, we make sure that he's okay. That's our job. That's our responsibility as parents. And I remember going to work, and I knew he had an appointment. It had been like maybe an an hour after I'd been at work, he had his appointment. And then I got that text message from my wife when she was at the doctor, and she was like, it's not good. And I responded, what do you mean it's not good? And so I dropped everything that I was doing. I called her, and I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And she was like, his blood sugar was 363. Now, not knowing much about diabetes, I still knew that that wasn't right. And like I said, all morning I had been refreshing Twitter, wondering about Nadamakin Sue, whether he was going to sign, not knowing that I was going to spend the next week in the hospital, wondering what was going on with my son. And the point I'm trying to get to with that. I don't want to draw draw it too too far out. It was that after his diagnosis, I went to Twitter for support because I had the 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 Ramley, as we like to say, there. They knew who Anthony was. I mean, you 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 could hit almost anybody up that follows me for the last few years. That my son is my entire world. So once I posted that, the outpour of support was absolutely amazing. And at that point, I realized, like, like wow, like this is this is something different. Like, you have all these other fan bases around the country, and I'm sure there's stories that they have to tell too. But it, it just hit it hit me hard that as a fan base, as much as you know, as we had until that point and I mean we had a, a good year we, we played the Falcons that year in the playoffs like Tommy said but like the, the support it just it was overwhelming and I hadn't known Tommy at this point me and Tommy had not followed each other at all it was I don't think me and Tommy followed each other until the 2018 season actually began and that's another thing that I really want to talk about too is that you know, I went through a rough time after that going through, I mean, you could, I, I went through depression, anxiety, you name it. So it was hard for me to cope with it. And then I meet Tommy just, you know, chatting through the timeline. I seen that he had gone through something traumatic. You know, he was talking about his daughter on the timeline, reached out to him. He reached out to me. He offered towels from, I think it was the, uh, I forget what what game was it, Tommy? That you had grabbed the towel? Was it the Chiefs game? I think so. Yeah, I think it was the Chiefs game. He sent Anthony two towels from the Chiefs game, which meant the entire world to us. Anthony got it, and he was excited, and a, a relationship started at that point that I never saw coming. Me and Tommy started talking to each other, you know, on the daily almost. We we started, I mean, well, we, Rams and Cedric had already started. We brought Tommy on. Tommy was 
great. We knew that it was, it could go somewhere at that point. But me and Tommy had this outside relationship from that, that, that started with daily phone calls, a call before work. We talked and it's, it's helped me. <laughs> it's helped me out a lot. And I told Tommy this, so I was like, I, I don't know where I'd be without him right now, mentally. And it's, it's an amazing thing. What, meeting someone on the internet on Twitter could do for you. That's a fan of the same team as you and me and Tommy have hung out several times and we have a great time all the time. He loves Anthony. I love Elias, his family. They've been nothing but amazing to us. And <laughs> there, there's just no words for it. As much as we've both gone through, we're here to help each other and get each other focused for the rounds and sensor show, you know, just being positive overall. And it's a great thing. The thing is this, and um, this is kind of why I wanted to go this route. You know, the like last Sunday night, people were freaking out about the, about the Tampa Bay game and none of us were really thrilled about it either, quite frankly. Um, it was a little shell shocking. We all have these high expectations now for this franchise, and when you've seen a lot of losing, like we've seen as Rams fans, you also you also you know don't want it to end. And sometimes we lose track of the human aspect of it. Sports is more than just the actual game on the field. Sports is the tie that binds you, whether you're, it, you're different in your politics or your career, where you live. Our staff at Rams Talk has people living in New York City, in New Jersey, in Ohio, North Carolina, Arizona, Los Angeles. We're everywhere. And it's those ties that bind overall. And to, I think, you know, Tommy, you you texted me when, this, when I... I and said, really, we're going to do this tonight? Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. When I said you guys were here for the post game, And I'm like, yeah, but you guys, I don't think, you know, you're talking. I don't think you realize how important it was for me. Because nobody outside of our staff knows that I suffered a loss this week. My cousin passed away. And um, he and I have been pretty close. So it's almost therapeutic to get on a podcast and talk about a Rams loss. It's kind of weird that it's what it is. And it's a reminder, whether it's the story of Tommy and your daughter, Tommy and Mark and your son, the various other stories out there. We had pink wrote her story on, on Rams talk earlier this year. And, you know, you guys have heard about Dom, our staff member who's been fighting all kinds of issues for a while the sport of football is more than just a sport to us. As corny as it sounds, because I've always, I admit it, I've always hated this term, rambling. It drives me nuts. It sounds so stinking corny. And so you actually become part of that rambling. And then you understand how real it is. It still sounds corny, but it's real. To have these guys come join our staff and become part of our family here has been an amazing experience. 
And like Mark is saying, I, I think I talked to Tommy, and I think I talk to you almost every day now, don't I? Tommy, you awake? <laughs> I talk I talk to you. Yeah, sorry, I was trying to come off mute. I talk to both of you, if not every day, every other day. Yep. So, I mean, it's my point is this. The Rams lost tonight, 30-29. Great game. Frustrating game. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. No matter where things go from here, they're going to be fine. And we're going to be fine. The sport is bigger than one game. It's bigger than one person. And uh, thanks, guys, so much for taking the time to share tonight. It, um, just want to remind everybody that it's all bigger than a game. Okay? It is time for us to go. More or less because I need to sleep. But these guys can go ahead and spend some time with their family before they go to sleep. We are looking for sponsors as always. Reach out to us, please, at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail there at 657 666 5453. We have a meeting kit ready to get out to you. We're also, like I mentioned earlier, a part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. Please check them out. Go to bigheadsmedia.com. Listen to all the different promos they have there. Check out some podcasts. You'll see their promos on our shows throughout the week. Any final thoughts? I'll start with Mark. Yeah, if there's something that's weighing on you, reach out to somebody. You never know what that other person that you're reaching out to is going through also. Just take that chance. Don't keep it inside. Talk to somebody. Talk to people that you share a common interest with. That's exactly what I did. Tommy? And that's it. Um, I got to be honest, man. I, I, Like I said, I've loved this team since I was six years old. But since the Rams moved back to Los Angeles, being a season ticket holder for the first time in my life as an adult and being a part of all of this in person and, and, and meeting all of you through the Internet, my favorite part of being a Rams fan now is all of you and that three and a half hours we are in the parking lot, every home game, cracking beers, eating food, breaking bread, and having great conversation. I actually, when we are walking into that stadium, get a little let down because the tailgate's over because that's how much I love people and that's how much fun this all is becoming every time we show up there. So... Just if you haven't been to a home game yet, I don't care where you live in the world, get out there. I don't care if it's to the Coliseum or to Englewood moving forward next year. It's special out there, guys, and you should be a part of it. All right. For me, I want to thank everybody. I guess this episode became a little bit more of a uh, kind of a weird guy sharing moment, but every once in a while, it's a nice reminder to think that it's, this game's human. So for everybody, the Rams Talk team, I'm not even going to go through the whole social media thing. You know where to find us. You know our names. Give us a follow. Give the show a follow. But it's time to go. You have a great one, folks. We'll see you for Rams Uncensored tomorrow night with these guys and the rest of the goofballs. Have a great one. We're out of here.
control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.